You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. Um, I have some bitterness to confess this morning. Something to this very day that I uh, that bothers me about my childhood, and it sort of starts with Plato. <laughs> Y'all are like, "Oh dear God!" My parents are like, "Oh dear God!" <laughs> What's he going to confess? Uh, it starts with Plato, and uh, and here's why: Am I the only one that, as a child, uh, even on my best creative day? could only do something as, I don't know, artistic as a miniature snowman with Play-Doh? Or, or is it just me? And, and my, my frustration and trauma didn't stop with Play-Doh. It, it kind of went on with like Legos and Lincoln Logs and Etch-a-Sketches and Light Brights and whatever else there was out there, right? And all I could do was really nothing exciting. I couldn't duplicate the picture on the box. I couldn't duplicate what was on the commercials. I couldn't do this stuff. I mean, that's a light, bright Elvis. That's an Etch-a-Sketch Muhammad Ali. I mean, who does that? Maybe some of you do that, or maybe maybe you were that prodigy that took all of those pieces and and put them together and created a, a rocket that flew to the moon and back. I don't know, but I do know this that there's something inside of all of us that wants to take things that are out of order, disjointed, don't make any sense, dump out a pile of Legos or Lincoln Logs or whatever and bring something together and create. It's really part of our story that we want to create things. And so we're made to create because we were made in the image of the Creator. That's part of the biblical story of creation, if you will. And like every good story, there's a beginning and there's a backstory and there's an ending to them. And the story of Scripture is universal in its beauty and its tragedy. And yet there is no greater story of redemption. There's there's nothing more dramatic, surprising, tragic, inexplicable than the narrative, the story of Scripture. So how did it all start? And why is it important that we know about this? This message is message one in the series that we're starting today entitled The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, really. And it's the story of Scripture. And this message is titled this morning, In the Beginning, God. In the Beginning, God. So to kind of tell you where we're headed throughout this series, what we're going to be looking at in the Bible is the order of creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. This is really biblical theology, if you will. Creation, fall, redemption, new creation. And it's not just a theological framework. It's, it's not just facts. It's not just history. It is a story of God. It's our story. And it gives structures and parallels for how things happen in our lives, even today. And what I hope you're going to see is how humanity continually follows this pattern of creation, fall, redemption, and new creation, and how even our own lives, we still follow this biblical pattern. 
But what I also pray is that we see why we need God in the middle of our story. Why we need God in the middle of our meta-narrative, if you will. In the middle of the story that's not really our story, but his story. That we get to be a part of. If you have your Bible with you today, I want you to turn to the very beginning. Because as Julie Andrews says, that's a very good place to start. All right, that went over everybody's head that it's probably younger than 50, like me. No, I'm not younger than 50. That's why I knew that joke. It's a dad joke that nobody laughed at except four of you. So Genesis 1-1 is where we'll start. And, and we'll look a little bit at Genesis 2, Genesis 3, but particularly just Genesis 1-1. It says, in the beginning, God. Let's stop there for just a moment because this is important to grasp. But in the beginning, this isn't the beginning of God. This is the beginning really of the story that we know of, that we're a part of, the story of creation. Because before there was anything else that we recognize in creation today, there was God. God was. He's self-existent, having the power of being in himself. We were created in time, and God did this. And in access in God, we live and move and have our being. He's known by his covenant name as what? I am. That's how we know him. I am who I am. There was never a time when he wasn't. There will never be a time when he will not be. In the beginning, God. He always was. Always will be. Let's keep going. In the beginning, God created. Let's stop there again. As we look at what God did right from the beginning, we see God identified as the creator of all things. Kevin was already talking about that this morning, that God created all things. Here is our first introduction to God in his word. And he's not introduced and in, in defined by a list of attributes. There's not a, a clear definition of, of who he is, but he is seen with an act. There's an act of God. And what did he do? God created. That's how we're introduced to him. We're introduced to God as creator. And here's what separates God from everything else that he's created. Here's what separates God as creator from me with my Play-Doh. God Create something out of nothing. Man, I think that's so important to the story and to our story. We have raw materials to work with, and we can create some amazing things. And yes, even with Plato, I guess, we can create some amazing things when we're given the materials to work with. But what we have to understand about God is this is how he is known. It's, it's the word ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. God creates something out of nothing. We get to see everything through the lens of creation out of nothing. He commands nothingness and it obeys and it becomes something. My friends, I don't know if that hits you this morning like it hit me this week. That out of the nothingness of my life, God spoke and he created something. 
out of the nothingness of our lives, God still speaks and he creates something by the power of his word. This should come as great uh, uh, encouragement to us this morning. This, this should come as something that encourages our hearts that God commands and things happen. And what I believe, what scripture says is that God, the creator, is for us. So watch this. He's not against us, so we should be at peace because with all power in the universe and with absolute right to do whatever he desires and pleases with what he has made, he is for us. It's not that our problems are too big. It's that we've made our God too small. It's that we've made the creator like the created. And he's not. He is our creator. Isaiah 45, 9 says it this way. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. A pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or your work has no handles. It's like, it's like if I were to make something right now, it'd be like, what are you making? I don't really know. And then it's like, okay, masterpiece, here it is. Your work has no handles. I mean, like, literally, that's pretty much all I could, whoop, sorry. It's not like clay, is it? That's all I could make out of this. Now, y'all can go home and try it and do whatever you like with it, but Play-Doh, it's just like, I mean, even the animals that I made really were just not really good. They just had legs on them. Isaiah says, out of nothing, he makes the clay. Out of nothing, first of all, he makes the clay. And then out of the clay, he makes us. The pottery of the Lord. It's saying his possession, destined for his glory, in total dependence on the one who made him. And the reason this is important is because all of creation now must be seen through this lens and it's a relationship between the creator and what are we? The created. It helps us to come to grips with our place in the earth. It helps us come to grips with who we really are. Kind of like it helps me come to grips with how big God is when I stand on the beach and look out at the expanse of the ocean. It's a very humbling thing, as Isaiah says, to be a clay pot that belongs to somebody else. Reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says when he said, your life's not your own. It reminds me again of what he said in 2 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Where is he hearkening back to? The creator. For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in what? Jars of clay. Little canisters of Play-Doh, if you will. Jars of clay that all this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Saying whatever we are and whatever good that we do and whatever somebody might look like and say, wow, all we can say is that was God through me, in me. I'm just a vessel. I'm just a clay pot that belongs to somebody else. 
Our God created everything out of nothing, and he did so with his very words and his breath. This is powerful and important to remember. We'll come back to it at the end as we talk about how this affects us even today because it's repeated over and over again throughout the biblical narrative and even today in the lives of people just like me and you. Hebrews 11.3 tells us, the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Out of nothing, God created. Since God is the creator and upholds all things by the power of his word, God's sustaining providence means that every created thing depends on something outside of itself for its origin and for our continuation. The fact that you are born was dependent upon God's grace in your life. The fact that you are here today drawing breath is because God has willed it so. It's he that has made us and not we ourselves. He's our creator. This is something that only God can do. Unlike his creation, however, our creator depends on nothing outside of himself for his existence. As dependent creatures, we rely on the Lord for our standards of what's right and what's wrong, our knowledge, our provision. Everything that we have in this life is dependent upon our creator. And we know now our place in the universe only when we remember that he is our creator and that we are his creatures made in his image. That's how we know what our place is in this place that we call home. But it's not our home. Let's keep reading Genesis 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Now let's start with verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters now we're just going to get into a little bit of stuff that maybe is a little bit nerdy for some of you and talk about Hebrew words and, and creation or maybe not maybe it'll mean something to you because eventually it should but this is where we see God bringing order out of chaos this is where God brings order out of chaos. You know what creation tells us? You know why creation is so important that we believe it, that we know that God is our creator, is that we serve. Here's what it tells us, that we serve a God that brings order out of chaos. I don't know if anybody else is excited about that this morning. In a world full of chaos, I'm glad that we serve a God that can bring order out of it. A creator that brings meaning out of meaninglessness, a creator that brings purpose out of purposelessness, a creator that brings a form out of formlessness. Verse 2 describes this disorder into which God spoke the order when it said, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. There's these dark waters, if you will. And the verse starts with this Hebrew term, tohu, and then bohu, and that, that, that's literally formless and empty. But they form this literary, poetic, kind of nonsensical word that kind of rhymes like, and it says, it's, it's really tohu vavohu. That's what he says, out of the tohu vavohu, out of the formlessness, out of the emptiness of the world, God created something. The Hebrew term indicates that the, the cosmos, as we know it, was empty 
Didn't have any purpose, didn't have any meaning, didn't have any function. It's a place that had no order, it had no intelligibility. And the text continues in this description of this chaotic state in that phrase, darkness was over the surface of these deep waters. There's three chaotic elements in this verse too. Formless earth, darkness, and watery deep. It's actually something that you see repeated over and over again in this creation and fall. Maybe you think about the dark waters when Noah was floating on top of them in the ark that was carrying him through these dark, deep waters until the breath of God blew them out and dry land again and new creation was birthed once more when God tried to start it all over. And on and on and on, we could see this. I won't take the time to go into all the ways that we see this. But what we understand is there's those three chaotic elements, formless earth, darkness, and watery depths. And they're not negative realities. There's nothing sinister or evil about these things. But by the power of his word, God brings order to chaos. He provides function. He provides purpose. He provides meaning to his creation. Now, what did God, our creator, do? What did he create? If we go on reading throughout chapter 2, what did he create out of this chaos? The Bible's very clear, good things. He created beautiful things, good things out of chaos. Well, I know that's right, Pastor, because God don't make no junk. Now, I don't know if you had that little magnet on your refrigerator growing up or somewhere, but like, okay, as simplistic as it is, it's true. This is what creation tells us. For the rest of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see God creating everything, and it was good. Watch this. The Hebrew word for good is tov. Remember the Hebrew words for chaos? Tovu, vavohu. Out of the tovu, vavohu, God created tov. He created something that's good. Out of the formless, out of the darkness, out of the chaos, God created something good, full of meaning, full of purpose, full of function, full of beauty to bring him glory everything God created was good there's nothing that he created that isn't good and there's nothing that is good that he didn't create in its original state everything was good not just good but really good and this is meant to reflect the character of our creator that he is inherently good because if God created it it could only be good And if we don't believe that God is inherently good and can be nothing but good in his dealings with his creation, then we have no basis for our faith today and we have no hope for a good tomorrow. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in creation, he created good things. And because of that now, there is a resurrection or else, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we're to be pitied more than anybody if this isn't true. If God isn't good, if God is not first and foremost good as displayed in creation, then we have no hope. But because he is, and he's the same all throughout history and all throughout time and even before time, forever, he's immutable, unchanging, and he's absolutely, inherently, always good. On a personal level, check this out. Just like that magnet I mentioned a moment ago, this means that you are not a mistake. This means that you are not defective. This means that you're not second rate. 
that you're not forgotten, that you're not somehow too messed up for the creator to bring something good out of chaos. You were made in the image of God. The imago Dei, the image of God, is imprinted upon your life. And God can take the chaos of your life and turn it into something good. He can take your purposelessness, your meaninglessness, your nothingness, and create something that has purpose and meaning and form and beauty and bring glory and honor to God. That's why we believe Romans 8.28. That all things work together for the good of those whose hearts belong to him or be molded and shaped by him. That he creates something good out of the chaos of our lives. Seems like everything's good, right? Let's go back to our story. Everything's good. Good creation, good people, good purpose, good God, good stuff. But chapter 3 inserts a crafty antagonist into our story. Satan, the counterfeit God comes in the form of a certain. Now he's not a creator, he's a created thing. So he cannot create, he's unable to create from nothing, so what he has to do is to manipulate created things. And so he begins to counterfeit, and a counterfeit isn't good, it isn't real, it's a fake, it's a lie, it's a misuse or an abuse of the original. Think about that if you will. Can't create, so he has to manipulate and abuse the created to create counterfeits out of something that's already there. To actually dilute the value of what is actually good. See, the counterfeit of pornography, which brings in 15 to $90 billion in the US alone, and the reason there's such a wide margin is it's really hard to track all the money that it brings in misuses and abuses the original goodness of sexual intimacy within the context of marriage for those who trust God with their lives. It's a counterfeit. It's a misuse and an abuse of the original. Because that's all he can do. And the tactics of counterfeiting by the counterfeiter and the manipulating by what he's called as the father of lies are to deceive, distort, and disturb everything in God's good creation. Look at Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He's made, he's created. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. We don't have time to get into the fact that this is already a misquote of what God said, but you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So since the first twisting of God's words to this very day, the enemy looks to make God's creation believe that our good God is withholding something good from us. Therefore, because of that fact, we should take matters into our own hands. We should usurp the king of kings. We should rebel against his authority and take what we desire. But God wasn't withholding anything that was good, only that which would kill us. See if you can hear God's good intentions in this paraphrase, if you will, of what he said to Adam and Eve. Now, there's only one tree that's forbidden to you, 
And the point of that prohibition is to preserve the good pleasures of the world. If you eat of that one, you will be saying to me, your will is less authoritative than mine. Your wisdom less wise than mine. Your goodness less generous than mine. And your fatherhood less caring than mine. So don't eat from that tree. Keep on submitting to my will, affirming my wisdom, being thankful for my generosity, and trusting joyfully in my fatherly care. There are 10,000 other trees with every imaginable fruit for pleasure and nourishment within a two-hour walk of where we stand. They are good, very good, and they are all yours. So go eat and enjoy and just be thankful. No, I think I want to do it my way. And if you don't believe the God who only creates good things is good, then you become deceived by the counterfeit and manipulated by the counterfeiter. And even that which looked good to Eve, the scripture says it was good for eating. It wasn't like poisonous, like Snow White. Right? It wasn't a bad fruit. It was a good fruit. It was good for eating. So then why couldn't she eat it? Because God said not to. Here's the reality. Even that which is good done in disobedience to God is very bad. Even that which looks good and it's not gonna harm me, at least it doesn't look like, that's not bad, I can take that, I can eat it, I can say that, I can do that, that's not bad, that's something I can do. But did God say to do it? Well, I'm not really sure, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it. No, that is exactly what got us to where we are now. Even something good done in disobedience to God is very bad. Listen, we could talk about all kinds of things today that I just mentioned. Sex is good, and God created it to be good, but outside the context of marriage, the marriage bed, it is counterfeited, and it brings death. Money can be good, but not the love of it. Meaningful work in this life is what we were created to do, but not to become my God and me to put my life and lay my life down for what I do as opposed to who I am in Christ. And this is exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. And if we're honest, it still happens today to us where we doubt the goodness of God. God, why aren't you coming through for me like I asked? Why are you holding back this thing from me, God? Why have you not provided for me the way that you said you would, God? Where's my healing? Where's my spouse? Where's this new job? Where is this? I see it. Those aren't bad things, right? None of those things that I mentioned are bad. So what do we do? We grab them for ourselves. Outside of God's direction, outside of God's leadership. And just like Adam and Eve, whenever we reach for the good things in this life in a way that is disobedient to God's direction in our life, it is rebellion and nothing good can ever come out of rebellion against our creator. There's a lot of things that we've done and other people have done that we thought were good, but they weren't in obedience to God. So let's keep going. Because here's the reality, God is not withholding something from us. God is protecting us. He's protecting you because nothing but good and only good things come from him. Ultimately, it's better for me to be letting him be Lord of my life instead of obeying the God of my heart or the God of my emotions or the God of my soul, if you will. I'll get what's mine, God. It's good. And you're not coming through like you said. So since I don't trust you to do it your way, God, I'm going to reach for it myself. I'm going to take and eat. Just thought of another time that Jesus told us to take and eat. 
at the communion table to taste and see that the Lord is good. Look at Jesus' words in Matthew 7, 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus affirms the goodness of God by comparison to me as an earthly father. Comparison to earthly fathers who are sinners. And as a dad, I know I don't want to give anything but good things to my kids. And Jesus is saying God's goodness is so much greater than ours. Hear me, church. You may feel like God is withholding something from you, but he's not. He knows so much more than we do. He knows the beginning from the end. He is the alpha and the omega. That is the alphabet, if you will. And every letter in between, He sees it all. So here's what we know. If anything's good, it comes from him. And if it's not good yet, then he's not finished. He's still working. He's still molding. He's still redeeming. He's still creating something new. Because he still creates new things. Here's another lesson from creation. You want to live the good life? Yeah, man, I want to live the good life. Very simply, if you want to live the good life, then we obey our good heavenly father. Life can only be described as good when we are submitted to God as the Lord of our lives. Creation, if you will, underscores the lordship of God, the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. We see this through how God's lordship includes his control over all things, his authority over the whole universe, and his presence in every part of creation. Let's just talk about those real quickly this morning. Creation tells us God is in control of all things. So why wouldn't he be in control of my life? That's lordship. Colossians 1, 16, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Since he's the creator and all things belong to him, there are no limits to his control over our life. That's lordship in creation. Secondly, creation tells us God has authority over the whole universe That's lordship. God has the right to tell all creatures what to do. That's why, remember, you're just a pot that belongs to somebody else. We're just vessels that belong to somebody else. So the creator has every right to tell that which he created what to do. In Genesis 1, the very method of creation in his word is he commands and things obey. He commands and things obediently come into being. Today, he commands and Jesus says, if we love him, we obey those commands. That's lordship. If you love me, Jesus said, obey my commands. If you want your life to create beautiful things, obey my commands. If you want your life to mean something, then let it be laid down for the sake of the cross. Creation tells us God is always present. There was never a time that he wasn't. There's never a time that he won't be. He was always there. That's lordship. God is always near and he's always integrally involved in your life. He's never off somewhere where you can't find him. Since God created all things out of nothing, he has touched everything in his creation. That includes your life. He directly formed you. He he made you. He desires to be with you and he has the right to be with you and he has the transcendent power to be directly, intimately involved in your life at all times times he never leaves you he never forsakes you he always is with you creation tells us that he's always present now let me 
draw this to a close, I say, well, what, what's our response to the fact that God is our creator, that God created all things? What is my response when I begin to go through things like this this morning and, and talk about who God is and what it means? What should be the response of the created to the creator of all things and the giver of all good things? And very simply, there is only one reasonable response the scripture says, and that is to worship him. Like, this should elicit worship in us what I am saying this morning. When we're confronted with who God is as creator, who his character is, and his being is as good, we should want to worship him. In summary of what I just went through, God's creation is a universal revelation of his lordship. We're confronted by that lordship, by his control over creation, by his authority over the whole universe, and by his presence that always is, his absolute goodness, which is who he is. And our only reasonable response to all of those things should be worship. Psalm 8, the psalmist said in verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. That's us. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know what majesty does? It makes you want to worship. Creation says that he's majestic. As we look at our lives today, we can see some profound parallels, and that's really what I want you to see even now between Jesus and creation, between creation and what God's doing today. John 1, 1 through 4 says, in the beginning. Remember that phrase, in the beginning in Genesis 1? In the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus shows himself as the creator as well when he's doing all the obvious things that he does when he commands the winds and the waves to obey him when he tells demons to flee when he causes bodies to rise up from the grave he is one who creates something out of nothing Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Here's what I want you to see today. Jesus is still creating. He's still taking the Play-Doh of my life and is creating something good. Here's some parallels. Creation is making something beautiful out of nothing, both then and now. Creation is making something beautiful out of nothing, both then and now. Jesus is still doing that today. I'm proof. If Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life, you are living proof. It's what Romans says, that the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not, that's what he did for you. He called your dead self up to life, and he called something that wasn't into being, as it were. That's what God does. He creates something beautiful out of our life, just like he created something beautiful out of nothing in creation. Creation is conquering of chaos, both then and now. Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Jesus. Who is it that calms the storms of your life to this very day? It's Jesus. Chaos 
Counterfeits. Here's what counterfeits do. Counterfeits create chaos. You know what chaos creates? More chaos. Do you know what God creates? Something good, something with form, something with purpose. And when we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and allow him to lead us out onto the other side, watch this, just like the stormy waters of the Red Sea, here's that repetition again of creation, fall, redemption, and here comes those stormy waters. And just as there were stormy waters that they couldn't get past, that they couldn't move, the God of creation splits them in half and the breath of God blows it dry so they can cross. And all of a sudden, the stormy, chaotic waters of our past that was trying to drown us drowns what was trying to drown us as we come out onto the other side into a new life. Over and over and over again. We see this pattern, which that which tried to drown us is now drowned by God. What about your baptism? We're going to have a baptism coming up soon. What about your baptism that we would be baptized into the stormy burial waters of our chaotic old life? And that we would come up out of those chaotic waters, dying to our old self and being raised to a what? New creation. A new life. Out of the chaos. Creation was also initiated by God's goodwill, both then and now. Today, we would call it grace. It's because God is good that he created the world. It's because God is good that he called you out of darkness. It's not because he was bored. It's not because he was lacking anything. It's not because he was hoping that he could find somebody to hang out with. It's not because he noticed me that I did something nice. He says, oh, I bet Brent could be a good Christian. No, it's all because of his goodness and grace that he created things then and he creates things now. And then lastly, life was animated by the Spirit, both then and now. In Genesis 3, 7, we see that the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed. It's like he took, <sighs> yeah, it didn't work for me. And he breathed on it. And life says, the man became a living being. In Acts, we see the breath of God or the Ruach, as it's said in both places. The God breathing, blowing on the disciples and filling them with the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in the earth. If you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you surrendered your life to the Creator, the living Word, then as an image bearer of God, you have the ability now to do some creating or destroying yourself. Creation is where life and meaning and purpose meet. We're found in parallels in our life to what God has done and what God has taught us to do are actually sobering and humbling. Let me ask you this. When there's chaos around you, are you walking in the way of your heavenly Father? Are you bringing peace and order and goodness. There's so many scriptures that speak to the reality of us being those that bring peace into situations. Those who are empowered by God's word and the breath of life, God's Holy Spirit, and that are more than able to still the chaotic waters that are around us still. Look, I just turn on your news or flip open your smartphone. There's chaos everywhere. What do you bring to the spaces and the places of your life? Are you bringing a burn it to the ground attitude? 
That's what I see a lot of. Just burn it to the ground for God. Hmm. Actually, what I see is a God of peace that crushes Satan underneath the feet of those who bring good news. Just as God created good things with the power of his words and his breath, what is happening in the lives of those around you through the power of your words and what you're breathing out of your mouth? What kind of creating are you doing with your words? Even today, Scripture is very clear that the power of life and death is in the tongue, and the words we say matter. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, Proverbs says, will eat its fruit. We should be warned by this proverb, especially if we love to talk. Oh, it looks good. Words are good. I feel good about saying this. I feel good about typing this. I feel good about sending this. Let me reach for this and do it my way. Good things used disobediently end up very bad. Are we creating good things or are we creating our own images? Are we usurping God's lordship by rebelling with doubt and fear? Or are we bringing life and human flourishing by what we do and say? God, by his own good will, created only good things. And today, by God's grace, we can create spaces and places that look and feel more like God intended. Jesus created with his words when he uttered, uttered Father, forgive them. Jesus created with his breath when he breathed his last and he said it is finished. He created with his breath when he was reanimated and took in his breath and resurrected to a new life. He created when he breathed the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, on us and empowered us to be witnesses in the earth today so we can now be those who bring life to dead places with powerful words of the gospel empowered by the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, who makes something significant out of nothing in not only our lives but in the lives of people around us. Takes a blob of Play-Doh and he forms it into a priceless masterpiece in the hands of the creator. And it may not look like much. I mean, you know, like I said, I can make some round objects and that's about it. In the beginning, God created and he's still creating new hearts and new lives and new purposes and new destinies if we would just obey. I, I remember this and, and then I'll just finish this morning because here's what my heart is. I've just been feeling this all week. God has just put, on this, put this on my heart to, in focus. It's time for us to start creating good things. Start dreaming. Start building. Start forming something beautiful out of the chaos of the past. Ephesians, right? Maybe you know that scripture, for we are God's masterpiece, we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God created beforehand that we should walk in them. Watch these words. We are God's workmanship, his work of art, his masterpiece, his new creation. And it says created. That's also in the Old Testament. It is a verb used exclusively of God denoting his creative power that he exerts. And this creation in us takes place in Jesus Christ, as it says in verse 6 and 7. And this life of goodness that regeneration produces has been prepared for believers to what? Do good works. And it's been prepared for all of eternity. 
Even the good we do right now has its source in God who has made it possible. I want you to, can we put up that, y'all didn't notice it because it was out of context. Can we put up that picture? Y'all see that? Now listen, I'm going to just do this and maybe you can remember this, but I, like that's really what my creations looked like as a kid. Yeah, you know, and, and earlier you saw it, it was kind of like just over there in, in different type of, I, I just take all of these things and I, man, I'm about to do this right here. Come on, I can create. Get out, get out of there. Yeah, ooh, oh. I'm a creator. I was made in the image of the creator. Come on, somebody. Look at that. All right. Y'all know how much that just sold for? $20 million. What? <laughs> Hey, I'll take $8 million for this this morning, and I'll pay the building off. $20 million for stuff that I was just despondent about that I made like that as a kid. But you know what causes that to have value? Is that somebody paid that price for it. You know what causes us to have value? Even though somebody might look at us, let's just say this is me. That's ridiculous looking. God can't be doing anything through his life. Look at the chaos surrounding him. Look at that. There's no. But see, God created me however I am. And that gives me value. And here's what he else he did. He also bought me. Isn't that crazy that he bought you and he already owned you? Like, he bought what was already his, that he created. And because he created, it gives it value. And because he purchased it back with the blood of his son, it gives you infinite value. You've been created in the image of the creator. And somebody might look at your life and go, man, I don't really see how God can use that. That looks just like a bunch of messed up Play-Doh. But yet in the hands of the creator and the one who purchased you with the blood of his son, he can do something beautiful through your life. He can breathe form and meaning and beauty and purpose through your life. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.